Gresham College Presents Damning Discount Rates by Alderman Professor Michael Manelli. Discounted cash flow and net present value uh, analyses have long been part of the financial analyst's toolkit. Um, by deciding on a discount rate and then using that rate in some exponential equations, it can be argued that future generations will be richer than us so we can spend wantonly now. Or that something expensive is really quite cheap if we make a very small change in the discount rate. Uh, and so the idea here today was to explore the implications of discount rates on society's long-term decisions, such as health, education, infrastructure, and the environment. Um, my job today is just to kind of warm you up in 10 minutes, but I think uh, what I find interesting is if you look around the UK, we find ourselves relying on Victorian infrastructure for a lot of things, water, sewage, roads, ports, railways. Uh, to paraphrase the life of Brian, you know, what have the Victorians ever done for us? Now in London, more than half of the water mains are over 100 years old, and around a third are over 150 years old. So what's been going on the past 100 years? Well, in fact, Thames Water, the London Water Company, even implies that the Victorians are at fault. London's Victorian waterworks need to be modernized, as if they were uh, badly constructed in the first place. And water supplies may seem boring, but don't forget that sewage and clean water are all that separate us from cholera or typhoid. And because of our ignorance of Victorian efforts, the water privatizations of the late 1980s were quite problematic. <coughs> years and years of repairs under the intervening public sector system, where the asset values were irrelevant, had led to decades and decades of not bothering to record asset changes. And this led to situations where contemporary observers were unable to find the assets, such as an added sewer or a new valve, or to discover that things didn't quite flow as they looked on the charts from 150 years ago. And in one case that I remember, we could only find 40% of the pumping, valves, and piping during a random sample of the asset base for one water company. So what was being privatized, other than a lot of hope? Uh, well, quite a few customers and the idea that maybe the Victorians had built the thing properly in the first place, we just couldn't find where everything was. Now, one of the hardest things for the Victorians to avoid was clearly over-engineering. Over-engineering is when something is designed to last longer or in worse circumstances than is needed. Planned obsolescence from an engineering perspective is when everything fails at once. Consider an automobile. For an engineer, the ideal situation would be that the engine, social acceptance of the interior of the car, the periodic cycle of the tire replacements, and everything else collapse at a specific time. Nothing is wasted. The car fails when everything coincides in its own obsolescence. And the ultimate engineer would plan that everything collapsed at some specific point on the odometer, say 150,000 miles, um, and the fuel tank would be empty and the car would coast into the scrapyard. I mean, that would, be, that, that would be the ideal. So can we get a discount rate that right? Well, I seriously doubt it. I think we're going to be exploring uh, how wildly wrong we can be. Now, as we look over uh, things and we, we, we criticize these Victorians because they built to last too long, uh, were they really engineering idiots? Well, the Victorians actually stole from themselves to bequeath to us an over-engineered infrastructure, not just in water and sewage, but in roads, railways, public buildings, and many other facilities. 
Yes, they over-engineered. Intervening politicians took credit for cost savings that were really under maintenance, and everybody tried to hand the problem on to the next generation, if at all feasible. So yes, in a sense, we also stole from the Victorians. Our parents stole from them and from us, and we try and steal from our own children. But how should we make decisions about long-term investments? Well, economic and financial theory claims to have an answer. Compare long-term investments with short-term decisions using the concept of net present value, or NPV. But to understand NPV, for those of you who are coming up to speed, you know what an interest rate is, that is, the percentage applied to your deposit every year in a simple deposit account. The underlying assumption is that cash today is worth more than the same amount of cash tomorrow. We need to be paid for saving or investing today, which is equivalent to deferring gratification till tomorrow. The discount rate is a financial concept based on that future cash flow in lieu of the present value of the cash. The discount rate gives you an idea of the present value of future cash. So the interest rate and the discount rate are linked. If a bank offers you an interest rate of 25% and you pay, place £8 in the account, you expect to receive £10 next year. If the bank offers you £10 next year for £8 today, the discount rate is 20%. That is the percentage that brings the value back to today's terms. So if anyone offers you something worth more than £10 a year for £8 today, that is a better deal for you. So for, for those of you in the lay audience, I would suggest it's as simple as this. Interest rates go forward into the future and discount rates come back to the present. Now over the years, uh, interest rates have been lower than I think most people think. I was at a debate in Mansion House about two years ago where various pundits you know, affirmed categorically that 5% was the natural interest rate. Well, hmm. the real interest rate is calculated by subtracting inflation. And in both the UK and the USA, as you saw up there, that means a 50-year moving average of interest rates has been below 2% since before World War II. So it's actually been an extremely low rate. Today, central bankers are even examining the idea of policies for negative interest rates or deflation. People who spend today get more for their money than those who save for tomorrow. So that's kind of an interesting conundrum to explore today. Even without negative interest rates, discounting future consumption can lead uh, to a conundrum, or conundra, the plural of conundrum, which is a conundrum of a plural, but anyway. Um, so for example, uh, marine fishing is a $55 billion global industry. Um, when should you throw a fish back? Well, taken to the extreme, eating a six-pound fish tonight can be calculated as worth more than consuming all the fish in the world a couple of millennia from now if you use a discount rate of 1%. At a discount rate of 10%, tonight six pounds is worth all, of, is worth all the world's commercial fish stocks 260 years from now. At a discount rate of 50%, just 35 years. So we're very sensitive to the discount rate that we choose in valuing the future against the present. So clearly, one of the biggest issues in finance and economics is deciding on the discount rate to use under various circumstances. Now, in business, the correct rate is not necessarily obvious, and it can be the cause, occasionally, of heated discussion. Typically, business people will try and calculate some cost of capital to arrive at their discount rate. This can be a fairly complex calculation. You start with a capital asset pricing model, which in turn depends on factors such as the risk-free rate of return, which by definition you cannot know, you can only estimate. 
the equity rate, the bond rate, and the debt equity structure of the organization. We then ignore inflation adjustments and taxation. For example, some taxation systems favor expenditure over capital investment or vice versa. Some favor debt over equity or sometimes vice versa. So it's a quite a complicated calculation. The Stern School in New York calculates an average over, of about 6%, just slightly over 6% uh, for all U.S. companies. But even then, we have ignored for any particular project the risk, whether the project is going to achieve its objectives uh, at all. So it's, it's, not, it's not easy. This Dilbert slide, as ever, seems to say it all, uh, that basically the discount rate is about creativity. <laughs> Here you were thinking you were coming to a boring lecture on accountancy when it's, when it's all about innovation and creativity. In fact, I loved as well as we had a, we had a, a lecture last week uh, at Mansion House from the Lord Mayor. His theme this year is Innovate Here, Succeed Anywhere. He went on about the importance of innovation in the city over the last few millennia for four or five minutes. And Archbishop Justin Welby got up and said, well, here in the church, uh, Lord Mayor, we are delighted to hear about innovation because we know all about innovation in the church. We call it heresy. <laughs> so, but anyway. Now, Professor Alex Murdoch uh, actually questions the extent of the real use of uh, discounted cash flow and net present value. When he got his freshly minted MBA, he proudly told a business school survey about using CAPM and discounting in social work. He had actually worked out uh, how this would apply to families and housing them. And a few years later, uh, he was told that his social work was one of the few reported uses that they'd gotten from their survey. The business school was so disappointed at the unpopularity of their prize techniques in the real world with all their finance and uh, uh, management students that they decided not to publish the survey results. So it's, it's an interesting uh, question as to how often this technique is used in the real world. Now businesses have to use something close to the cost of capital, but governments have more leeway. For governments, it really is different. In 2002, HM Treasury stated that the current discount rate is being unbundled so that the new rate reflects only one factor, the social time preference rate, set at 3.5%. No, no doubt there on the government's behalf. They, they can cut through all these calculations. And using the rule of 72, which I'm sure many of you know, you divide uh, 72 by 3.5 to get the doubling rate, and that gives you 20 years. So an investment of 100 pounds for a 2016 baby needs to be worth more than 200 pounds by 2036 to be worth doing. Unfortunately, engineering and infrastructure cycles tend not to coincide with political cycles. And despite all the talk of prudence over the economic cycle, no more boom and bust, uh, Matthew Paris, writing in the Times, brought to my attention a letter of 4 July 2004 from a former regulator, Mr. Tom Windsor, uh, to his successor. Mr. Windsor noted, politicians will talk about decades of underinvestment and putting right the mistakes of the past, but in general, and with some honorable exceptions, they are simply not programmed to make decisions which put the long-term interests of the industry and the public ahead of the short-term political imperatives of the moment. If the fire alarm is ringing, the tendency is often to break the bell and stop the noise, not put out the fire. So I'll leave you with another little joke about the difficulty of setting time periods. A prisoner had just been sentenced for a wicked crime and was returning to his cell. His guard was most curious about the outcome. The guard said, what was the sentence? 
And the prisoner says, well, I, I could choose life for 100 years. The guard asks, so which did you choose? The prisoner. Well, life, obviously. Statistically speaking, that's shorter. <laughs> so, uh, and I think we'll see a little bit of this today as, as we go through the presentations. Now, we have a full afternoon ahead, um, so let's have a, just a brief look at our lineup. Um, firstly, um, after, after me, we have Dr. Nick Goddard. Uh, on your seats, you have a, a, um, a copy of a one page, which you can go home and uh, download. Nick has written a lovely book for loan finance called Uses and Abuses of Discount Rates, a Primer for the Wary. And I must say, in some ways, it's kind of the inspiration for having this conference today. Uh, Nick had come in to the city, having worked as a scientist, obviously had no troubles with the numbers, but became more and more troubled about why were we using these discount rates and where. He's then going to be followed by effectively our keynote speaker today, Professor Mark Freeman, who's come down today from Loughborough. He's going to talk about long-term discounting ethics or markets. And then we have uh, two commentaries in a row. I'm absolutely delighted that Matthew Reese from the National Audit Office has come to explain the government's point of view. But I have seen Matthew's slides, and they're chock full of examples where he is questioning their methodology, I think, quite well. And you'll have a wealth of materials you can go home with. And then Con Keating, uh, from the Long Finance Kitchen Cabinet, is going to be talking about the folly of discount-based valuations. Now, on the program, it's slightly off. Um, we will, in fact, be breaking at six, uh, sorry, four, four o'clock, 1600, for just a short leg stretch, and we'll come back. And then John Spain, uh, who's here from the uh, Government Actuary's Office, would like to make a brief commentary before we open to all of you. Um, also, given the size of the crowd today, of course, we're delighted as we can continue to discuss this over the reception uh, afterwards, which is kindly being sponsored by my firm, Zien. So it's quite a full afternoon. Um, it should be a little bit of fun. Um, I hope it isn't too mind-bending. Some of these, these conundra uh, can, can be quite problematic. But if at any point uh, you feel confused, we have a good panel session. Now, the biographies are in the program, so I'm not going to be introducing people. You'll make your own minds up about them anyway. But if you'd like to read about their background, it's contained there. And we will not be taking questions after this speaker's uh, talk because we do have the panel session. But if that's all right, I'd like to say then with uh, no further ado, welcome to our conference today. And I'd like to hand over to our first speaker, Dr. Nick Goddard. For more information, please go to the Gresham College website, www.gresham.ac.uk.